all profit is value extraction. And that means that all profit is theft from you. Corporate America is on welfare, and they you've got to get them off welfare. Welcome to Cars and Comrades, your onlyest socialist uh, car podcast. I'm Brandon, the head of uh, Cars and Comrades HR. Uh, we're running a little bit late this evening because Connor and Bryant got a reprimand for being late. And uh, Zach was a no-call no-show tonight. So uh, if we're now accepting applications for possible replacements since I may have to be firing everyone on the show. <laughs> I, I'm really sorry it won't happen again. I've never gotten a write-up before, so this is really a first for me. I, I really would like to keep my job that doesn't pay anything on, on the show. That would be great. <laughs> I have gotten an astounding amount of write-ups in my life. <laughs> I've had plenty of people t- tell me, hey, don't do that, but I've never had a formal write-up. I'm going to be so. honest with you. I am fucking late to every job I have ever worked <laughs> and I've never gotten a write up. Like I've gotten some talking to's, but I've never gotten yeah. a write up for it. I, I think that's mostly because I don't know. I bullshitted my way through it or something, or I was just under the, under the wire, but yeah, I've been late to every single job I've ever worked. And I try not to be, but apparently I mean, you know I'm even late to this show. So now that we're doing an actual analysis, you know what I'm realizing? I've never gotten a write up at like, a trade job, but any sort of like minimum wage job, I've had them just fucking thrown at me. And I yeah. think that, that oh, yeah, actually really says a that. lot about the level of control they want to exert over somebody who barely makes enough to live. Oh, it's way worse. It, it's not even close. It is way worse. And they do it on fucking purpose. So like, well, like, th- this joke is applicable to a certain number of our listeners who are working like the lower wage jobs. But like you get into like, the other other more quote-unquote professional sorts of jobs and it ain't the same there's no write-ups there's no it's just different it's it's horse shit yeah i mean the job i'm working now it's sorry what i was gonna say there should be no more of these fucking low-wage jobs all jobs are skilled labor like this is bullshit i got a write-up for missing too much work at a warehouse one time every single like instance that they were calling out, I had requested off and been approved for. <laughs> they just weren't, they weren't keeping track of, of how much it was. And it was like an average of once a month. Cause I was going like going to a lot of shows out of town back then. That's a lot. That's not a lot. That is yeah, absolutely not a lot. Pretty normal. Fuck? I thought because, <laughs> because it was, it was seven days in six months because they were like, you've only been here six months and you've already missed seven days of work. And I'm like, I'm like, are you like praising that I've only missed seven days of? I don't understand what's going on here. <laughs> Actually, if you want to hear the a real That's boss crazy. move, uh, I got I got bitched out for that and written up. And they were like, "Do you have anything to say for yourself?" And I was like, <laughs> "Yeah, yeah, I'm actually not going to be here the week after next." <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Uh, it wasn't even a bit. I actually had like it. <laughs> I was meaning to ask you actually. It wasn't even ask. It was a medical thing. Well, it was a quote-unquote medical thing, so they couldn't even fucking say no. 
Oh man, I, I was I was look, doing a medical study that was like going to make me a whole bunch of money in one week, so there was no fucking way I was coming to work. <laughs> yeah, look, I know it's sometimes useless to be like, "Oh, we need revolution now because the condition we just don't have the conditions to have a revolution tomorrow." But I hear a story like this, and my first thought is just like, "Let's pick up the ballots." That come on, ballots immediately. What? How is this not? How is not everyone on our side? I'm just proud of myself for how petty I could be Went back when I was, like, 25. <laughs> oh, man, that's fucking crazy. Seven days and six months. That's that's nothing. Oh, I hate these people. Anyway, yeah, sorry. Every, every one of them was pre-approved. What <laughs> 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 the fuck? Ugh, fun. I, a few weeks later, I demanded that they double my wage. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a alpha chad move right there did you get it I, honestly i was such a prick at that job looking back because <laughs> like my boss got sick and he was the only other one there that could do my job so i was just like well y'all looks like y'all have to pay me twice as much now <laughs> they were like, s- I, I got a several dollar an hour raise and then i got fired a week later nice <laughs> Oh, all right, well, that's not the, maybe not the best story there, but. Well, I got fired for trying breeze. to co- coach. I got fired for trying to coach one of my coworkers to do the same thing. And, inst- <laughs> and instead of him doing the same thing, he just went to the boss and was just like, y'all gave him a raise. Why couldn't you give me one? Uh, uh. And so their technical reason for firing me was discussing my wages with coworkers. Which that's totally that is, legal. Which to do. is illegal. Yes. Yeah. But I, I wasn't going to fight that hard to continue making like no money and traveling an exorbitant amount of time every day. Yeah. God damn them. God again. Fucking. We need the. We need the ballot. And Bryant probably needs to redact this. But I was going to say I'm going to have to bleep a certain word there. I think. Yeah. We need the ballots. <laughs> just replace it with <laughs> we need to pick up the ballots. I'll just oh yeah, I'll just cut and paste that in there. Is, no, so, I, is this More the votes. quickest the show has ever gone off the rails or just like up there? I mean, I kind of we, we kind of started with a little off the rails uh, segment there, but Yeah, that's fair. I I guess uh for the listener ostensibly today we're going to be talking about the uh experimental safety vehicle program of the 1970s. Uh, this is kind of something that came out of my research into um, into Ralph Nader and Unsafe at Any Speed. Uh, it's something that he talked about in the book. And uh, I was going to, you know, do two subjects on this episode and talk a little bit, you know, biographically about Ralph Nader and some of the stuff he's done. But then I went down this internet rabbit hole reading about weird uh, concept cars in the 70s. So <laughs> Ralph Nader, who we should note, has not responded to our request to come on the show. Because I haven't made one yet. <laughs> yeah, I was about oh, to I say, wait, said, did that happen? I thought you said you contacted him. No, I haven't yet. Well, no wonder he won't get back to us. <laughs> <laughs> we, should, we, yeah. should, we should shoot our shot. <laughs> yeah. he's, he's notoriously not telepathic. <laughs> I know. Um... But yeah, so I have like three and a half pages of notes on uh, ESVs, and we'll see uh, how much of it we can get through today. But uh, first, we're going to talk about our uh, what we've been doing on our own cars, making them more safe or less safe, as the case may be. And, Almost um, always less safe. But yeah, I've never made on. a car more safe. 
<laughs> and I'm going to say it's Connor's turn this time. Oh, okay. Um, <clears throat> so instead of being uh, responsible, I've been irresponsible. So like I've had a headlight out. I think I've mentioned it on the show probably twice now. So I think we've, it's been weeks and I've got a headlight out. And um, every time I've had like, like there's, I've had a choice. Like I have enough time to fix the headlight or I could go drifting I have chosen to go drifting every single time so far. Now that could change any day, but so far I have chosen drifting every single time. So I did actually get another chance since we last recorded to go to a, a, another drift day, which I wasn't expecting, but I guess as, because it's getting cold, they're like, Hey, we're not doing Tuesdays and Fridays anymore. I guess we're going to have to switch to Saturdays during the day. And I was like, fuck yes. Oh my God. This is so much better than getting there on a Friday night. So of course, because of the stupid ass second job, I work every other Saturday. So I don't get to go like every time, but I did get to go last weekend, which was pretty sweet. Um, it turns out I still suck, (laughs) but, uh, I'm getting seat time and I'm getting better. Like I was taking better lines and stuff, but I was still spinning a lot. And I was having some serious issues with understeer at this last event. Like, I think it was partially because like I started airing, especially like at first I went out and I was doing fine. And then the rear tires heat up as you like drift on them. Um, And so they like the tire pressure increases as you drift. So I started airing down my rear tires because the last time I think I, and I think I said it on the show, You know, I wasn't so much lacking power as I was having almost a hard time putting the power down. So, like, I was like, oh, I'm going to air out my tires this time, which I did. But then I think that gave me too much grip in the rear. And I shouldn't even say too much. But, like, I then was losing grip at the front because I wasn't airing down my fronts. So, like, I got more grip in the rear. Then I started understeering really bad, um, which was, like... I mean, to me, that's like the scariest shit. Spin out is nothing. But like when you understeer, it's like, (laughs) who knows what the car is going to do? But like I was like, you know, turn the wheel all the way and the car just keeps going straight. And I was like, fuck. So I was trying to get a handle on that. And I should have aired down the fronts. I like realized it, of course, by like the last run. I'm like, oh, I should like lower the air in my fronts. And I'm like, well, you know, it's time to start packing up. So I guess I'll do it next time. But I also realized that the uh, wheel spacers I've been running have been a good, they've kind of fixed some issues where it's like, obviously I'm not rubbing on my tie rods anymore. So that's like good. The bad part is it seems like it is causing some like steering binding issues. So like when I go full lock, like there were times where I'm drifting and I feel like a a bump and then all of a sudden the steering wheel turns more and i was like that's that seems bad (laughs) (laughs) so it's not great now look i felt that and i kept drifting because i'm like well it's not broken now so you know i'm gonna get this seat time one way or another but like it kind of sucks that like i feel like okay i'm getting the hang of it again it's like i'm feeling good like every run was like I feel really good for parts of the run. And I'm like, Oh, now I'm getting the feel of it back. Like I'm getting to like, Oh yeah, this is how I change my angle. This is how I do this. But then like at some point, like 
then I'll understeer or the car will spin or like, I'll feel that binding issue in the steering. And like, I'm just like, fuck. So it's like, it feels like I'm getting better, but then like, I'll have a moment where it's like, Ooh, but I, I fucked that up. Um, and I smacked a couple cones too, which I try not to do. Um, but like, I also don't care that much, but all in all, it was fun. Um, it was really cold, um, which was kind of a bummer with, because like it was like 75 degrees two days earlier. And then I went to the event and it was like 40. I was like, well, and snowy. <laughs> there was actually snow falling as we were drifting. So that was interesting. But yeah, I don't know. So instead of fixing shit on the car, I just went and fucking sent it. And uh, I had fun. Um, it wasn't, you know, perfect. But I, the way I look at it, I'm getting more seat time now. So that I'm like better prepared for like next season. And I'm not like learning from scratch again when the car is like working properly so yeah did all that and then um oh quick note while while we're on my personal shit because i'm i'm working at fucking AutoZone. worth mentioning if you can get a battery um at one of the other auto parts stores i would recommend doing that <laughs> 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 so like most of the time, the battery doesn't make a big difference. But like in my experience, I worked at O'Reilly's and their batteries seemed fine. I have an O'Reilly's battery in my car now, and I've had it since at least 2018. So it's what what year is it now? 2022? Yeah, it's held up pretty decent and no signs of like being an issue. The Duralast batteries are questionable in my opinion, and I have some evidence to back this up. In the first, like, I've been working at AutoZone for a couple months, and I have seen, like, three or four, like, brand new ass fucking batteries or, like, six months old come back as fucking bad batteries. So, like, I don't think I ever had that happen at O'Reilly's. I don't think once. Like, I I remember, like, taking a few back, and I was, like, looking around, like, is this, like, normal for y'all? Like, this, this shit was installed in, like, April. What the fuck? And you test it, and it comes out bad. So, that's not fucking good um then i also heard a conversation from the store manager who was talking about something the district manager said and they and it was her kind of just admitting like yeah we don't have the best batteries like we're not super competitive on those so just saying they fucking know they're not the best and if i were you i would buy not a dirt last battery so throwing it out there just for the record if you're listening to our show, I guess I'll give you inside tips on the parts business here and there. Most of them you should take with a grain of salt, but yeah, maybe, maybe find a different auto parts store for your battery. So, um, oh, and then, uh, sorry, I'm going to keep adding to it. It was super fun. Uh, Friday it snowed in Chicago. Um, and I was like working in the field that day. So um, I took my car instead of my girlfriend's car and I took my car. I was like, yeah, it's fine. There's no snow by me. So then I drove to the city, go to do my work. And I get to a part where there is literally like definitely a couple inches of fucking snow had fallen. And there were streets that were not plowed. And it was not a fun time for me. Actually, it was a lot of hard packed snow and like icy fucking streets. And I do not have my winter tires on yet. So I got through. I didn't crash, but um, yeah, it was pretty fucking sketchy. I was like, this is terrifying for me. <laughs> so I don't know. I'm still I, I don't want to put the winter tires on just because it's a pain in the ass. I still want to run one more drift event. 
but I don't know. I may cave and put those on really soon. So we'll see what happens there. But that's all I got. Um, it's a lot. So <laughs> that's more than enough. But I did drifting instead of doing responsible things like fixing my car. Yeah. No, that's legit. I, I have that same story. <laughs> <laughs> for um, this for this week. Great. <laughs> So then I guess that would be, uh, I don't know what order we're going in, but uh, Bryant, maybe? Yeah, probably. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, so I I haven't done a whole lot because uh, my back has still been hurting me. I did manage to finally uh, change the brakes on my Sabru, so oh, that nice. is uh, stopping a lot better than it was. Um, no wobbling front uh, calipers or anything. Sweet. And... Uh, Let's see. I do need to. I do have my snow tires on there, but I, I need to get the the new ones that aren't old and falling apart. Um, and then, uh, like I said, I haven't been working on my cars too much, but I I uh, I do need to do some work on my washing machine, uh, which has a, a bad seal and a bad bearing. Um, so uh, I'm hoping that some of the uh, the skills I have wrenching on cars will. <laughs> translate to taking that apart and <laughs> replacing a bearing i it usually does but uh, make sure you consult youtube on that one. yeah yeah <laughs> I, I find that one has no bearing on the other <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah that's about all i've been up to oh and i did um when it snowed here the other day i i went and did some donuts in a parking lot at 11 p.m that was pretty nice, nice. legally i think you're required to do that yeah yeah. yeah, you are. Which, by the way, I mean, for anyone who's curious, if you're looking to learn some drifting, finding a good open space with snow, I know it's obviously it's not perfect, but it's really cool to learn the basics when you're going really slowly and everything is like super accentuated. So it is yeah. actually genuinely good practice. And you yeah, should learn that sure. even if you don't want to drift. Like you should learn how to like how it feels when the car slides just for knowing definitely. how to drive in the snow so yeah yeah definitely and and you know make sure you know where all the like light poles and curbs and everything are so you don't run into those yeah don't don't uh yeah do not lose track of those <laughs> <laughs> but it's good practice it really like to be a safe driver you should go and do donuts in a parking lot at some point <laughs> it's counterintuitive but just saying it's worth knowing how to how it feels yeah just make sure there's no cops around yeah, make sure you're avoiding the pigs. But um, that's all I got. Uh, Brandon, what have you been up to? Uh, I've actually had a pretty mild uh, couple of weeks, but... Oh, thank God. <laughs> I know you've had a few rough ones lately, so... Well, I meant in terms of fixing things. It gets a lot worse when we start talking about the things I've broken. Oh, no. <laughs> okay, great. Um, <laughs> no, uh... uh so I've been driving my Chevy instead of my Ford, uh, my newer Chevy, the 75, because uh, I just, as it gets into winter, I don't want the salt up here to destroy the Ford. And I still haven't fixed all of the body work that needs fixed. So I am just kind of letting it rest that. And I put a new carburetor on it like months ago and never hooked up the chokes. And now it's like 20 degrees in the morning and it won't start, uh, which I could easily do by running a single wire to the choke. But I haven't done that yet. But one day I was uh, reading one of my carburetor books and I said, damn it, today is the day that I fix the carburetor on my Chevy. 
uh, because it has a couple of like fairly common to carburetor problems, like a little bit of a bog uh, on acceleration and a handful of odd things. Hmm. And so I, I start like reading specifically and like doing an inventory of what all parts that I've got. And because I just can't focus on anything ever, uh, I had been driving with one headlight for weeks, months. Uh, so I went ahead and swapped that out because I was just at my shop doing stuff. I was feeling motivated immediately, uh, while doing all of this, like research on fixing my carburetor, I realized that I do not have right turn signals. The right turn signal light in my dash is now staying on and I don't have brake lights. Hmm. And realistic. Realistically, I probably hadn't had brake lights in weeks, and I just didn't pay attention. <laughs> but when I went to check it, they were they were gone, and I'm like, you know what? I'm I'm anyone behind me can fuck off. I'm not dealing with this problem right now. And I was talking to a buddy, and he was just like, yeah, the light will stay on in the dash sometimes when the bulb blows, and fuck, it'll fuck up the circuit. And sure enough, I put it in. I looked, and the bulb was blown, and fixed the whole problem except for the brake light thing. And I was like, well, if I've got all my turn signals, you know, fuck brake lights. Who, I'm not going fast enough that, and my brakes aren't good enough that anyone behind me is going to have a problem. But then just getting in my van, I noticed a loose wire and not even like pulled out of the housing, but just pulled a little bit loose. And I pushed it back in and my brake lights work. <laughs> uh, so like so much stuff got fixed by happenstance the past week. That's awesome. Yeah, that's a good week. But uh, so I, I, I took it's It's actually kind of hard to get to the carburetor in one of these vans because you can't get to it through the hood. You have to pull the doghouse inside the cab. So like it's not the worst, but when you're like messing with it and you're pulling it on and off all day or over the weekend, it's annoying. But I find like I found what was almost definitely the problem. And it was not even. Like with my carburetor, it, it wasn't even that uh, it was like that there, there was a, uh, somebody had tightened a bolt that you're not supposed to tighten. And without like, uh, I'm assuming you guys don't know much about carburetors. A, a tiny bit. I, know, I mean, yeah, my moped bit. was carbureted. Fair enough. I'm talking about Holly carburetors. Um, so basically there's uh, there's something called an accelerator pump. Yeah. And, yeah. And uh so what, what it does is it, it squirts fuel right when you're opening the throttle so that it prevents a lane condition and bogging down and stuff. And somebody had somehow adjusted mine so that it was coming on immediately, but very lightly and only for half as long as it was supposed to. Huh. Like there's a complicated mechanisms of like a plastic cam and some levers and stuff like that that like transfer the motion from the accelerator like or uh, the, from the throttle cable to the actual accelerator pump. But once I realized that they had like tightened it down so that it was basically always halfway engaged so that it only had the last half of the, like the cam to actually engage. I'm, I'm really like not sure the best way to explain this, but the gist of it is uh, it ultimately boiled down to, I just had to back this screw off so that it was barely engaged so that it would be able to go its full range of motion. But upon doing that is when I realized that probably from the over tightening and just driving it like that for years, the gasket for the accelerator pump is 
probably damaged. Mm. Because I just am running without an accelerator pump at all right now. So I got the parts ordered, and I'm actually hoping to fix that tomorrow. I was going to do it today, but it was 20 degrees, and uh, my van does not run well without an accelerator pump in this weather, but it does run. So I've just mostly... That's, that's, I don't know about you guys. I am really hesitant to like do not incredibly necessary work to my daily driver because I'm like, no, there's there's too much of a chance that this becomes a three-day job, and then I have to figure out getting to work the next day. No, that's yeah. my fucking existence. That's 100%. Yeah, yeah I'm like, uh, you know what? Uh, I don't want to touch it. I don't want to open up nothing. Because, uh, again, it's my daily driver. If I fuck up, you know, if a bolt doesn't come out right, it's like, okay, well, great. I'm going to go buy a rental car for several days. like, And then I'm stuck working after work on the car. No, it's, uh, I am reticent to do any unnecessary work on the car if I can avoid it. So, so uh, yeah, that was... That was last weekend, most most of, of that was. And then uh, I was at a job site on Tuesday. And leaving the job site, there was a really weird bump in the road. Like, I drove over it multiple times and felt it every time. But because of the way it's a brick road through a turn, you can barely tell that there's a dip there. Anyway, it makes a god-awful, like, ka-chunk noise. And I was certain that something on my van had broken. But it drove yep. fine and whatever. But yeah, I got no home. yeah, if 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 it, everything drives normally, then it's it's not broken and you're good. I, that's <laughs> what, I'm always like I hit or you you do something you're just like, and for five seconds if everything's fine you're like all right I guess it was fine. Something I mean something might be minorly broken but the car is working so <laughs> I'm gonna throw it out of my mind turn the music up whatever. I got home. And so I, I will say my, my Chevy, the body is in rough shape because it's been my daily for years. It's old uh, and we salt the roads here. So it just, just eats through sheet metal and I've watched it get worse and worse and I feel bad about it, but it's just it's like just literally reality. like, what are you going to do? Dude, there's rust in like the middle of like the body in some spots where the, pa- cr- pa- uh, where the paint cracked and then rust, yep. rust just started going from there. But my rockers were so bad that when I hit the bump, it crumbled. <laughs> my my entire rocker, three quarters of the way from one wheel to the other, is gone. Oh, god damn, that's really bad. In a rocker, so that was I, just paint. That wasn't even sheet metal anymore. That was just like a layer of paint, you know, on dust that just couldn't be disturbed. So I will say that this is going to sound like the story of my Ford, but is actually the story of my Chevy. Uh, when I bought it, the previous owner was a hundred percent transparent with me. That's how it's different than the Ford <laughs> that, that, uh, the body had started having some rusty spots and he didn't know what to do about it. He was a younger guy, like early twenties and he just wanted the van to look nicer. So he was like, yeah, I just smeared Bondo over it. And he's like, there was a hole and I put a piece of 10 over it and just covered it in Bondo. Okay. So you were warned. I was, I was warned. I can see where it's at, like all this, but I just, because the Bondo was there and continued to be Bondo colored, I really didn't think that much about it. And it didn't occur to me that that layer of Bondo was holding the entire structure together. Not great. And it was, it was really disheartening. Yeah. But I, and the most annoying part is like, I can order the rocker panel, but the inner rocker I have to make 
and it's not even difficult. I just have to go get sheet metal for it, and I don't. Do you know the look? I, I'm I'm always wondering why is it like it's easy to get outer rockers, but you can't find fucking inner rockers for a lot of shit. Like that's a really hard thing. Like they like don't sell it. And I, I'm like, there's enough of these old cars on the road that people restore. Like why is that so hard to find? I don't like. Get My it. assumption would be that basically an inner rocker on something like this or a handful of other vehicles I've worked on is just a piece of sheet metal with a right angle bend in it. Sometimes they'll have like something like pressed or rolled into it to provide like rigidity for the structure of the sheet metal, but it's, there's not a lot of contour to it. Oh, I was joking with my buddy that I'm using eighth inch plate. So I never have to do it again. (laughs) Yeah. That's, I mean, that's look joke jokes aside. That's how I, I, that's how I fix shit. When I fix something, I'm like, yo, this is a real pain in the ass. I really do not want to do it again. I will pay lots of money to not ever have to do shit again which is why it's like oh you know what you know i got an oil leak time to rebuild the engine oh i blew up the rear end time to put in the best rear end ever made <laughs> like you know oh my transmission was a little rough shifting swap in a new transmission <laughs> well, and, and my attitude up until recently i was you know not i didn't have a whole lot of money and i was like oh i need snow tires i'm gonna buy these this set for like $150 off of Facebook marketplace. And I know that they're old and cracked and shitty, but, uh, I still have tread on them. So, uh, but yeah, now I'm, I'm, I'm th- coming around to your, uh, mode of thinking Connor on that. Just spend yeah, the money. It sucks at first, good. but like, yeah, I like to, I like to not have these problems again. I'm just <laughs> yeah. like, Nope, fix it really right. The first time. Cause I've, cause I've done the other way way too many times where I'm just like, okay, Nope. Nope, I don't want to fuck with this anymore. No, no, that's that's fucking real, man. Like, I I definitely am coming around to that way of thinking. Just spend the extra money. Like, I mean, I'm still gonna fix stuff myself and and take shortcuts. But there's smart ways to take shortcuts, and there's dumb ways. And I'm just over the dumb ways. Yeah. Like, I'll pull it. I'll still pull a rear end out of a junkyard, but I'm now I'm gonna tear it down and make sure that all the all the gears are good, all the bearings are good. Like. Yeah, that's exactly. It's like you'll still get the junkyard rear end, but like also clean it up, take it down, repaint it, like do all that shit and like make sure there's new bearings and stuff in there. Like and then, you know, if you want to have some fun, like you can weld that rear end together. You know what I'm saying? Like have some have a good time. (laughs) Ah, I pull it from a junkyard. I'm making sure it's something that I can find a posi unit for. Oh, like I'm saying, you don't need a posi unit. If look, if. If a posi unit's too expensive... I know what a Lincoln locker is. I hate chirping tires just turning left. (laughs) It's it's fun. What do you mean? I'm driving a work van. Yeah, you you can get that thing sideways when you weld them years together. Oh, dude, in my old van that actually had more, like... It had a torquier motor low end, so I could break the tires free, like, no problem. And I would drift through turns like crazy, like, <laughs> d- dangerously so. I did not know what I was doing. It was not the vehicle to be doing that with, but I would absolutely. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, The so b- basically, I'm going to try and hopefully by the next time we record, I, I will have done an extensive amount of uh, work on my Chevy because... There's a lot of stuff I can slack off on because I just get to it when I get to it, but this is in bad shape. I, I, the good news is that because it, this is why I love Chevy vans legitimately because this van was made from the body style went from 71 to 96. 
What? Cool. <laughs> what? Yes. I don't believe you. Uh, 95, 96. Uh, Chevy stopped making them in 95, but there were still some aftermarket companies who were buying the vans and releasing them in 96. Okay. What van is this now? G10. The G10. A G series vans, G10, G20, G30, whatever. Uh, but because of that, I ordered uh, the, a new fender, like a, not like a, I forget what you would like, just the, the part of sheet metal that goes around the rear wheel, not like a front fender or whatever. Uh, the rocker panel and the rockers underneath both doors and shipped, it was $156. Not bad at all. Wow. Yeah, yeah. that's wow. For, for my Ford or my early Chevys, one piece of sheet metal is more than that. Holy so, shit. I'm sorry. Hold on. I, I've got to interrupt you real quick. I, I, I had to look this up. The Chevy Van G Series. So it's produced across three generations. The first one's 1964 to 1966. So two years. Yeah, I have two three. of those. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 1967 to 1970, so three years, and then the Four. third generation is 1970 to 1996. <laughs> that, that's incorrect. They came out in 71. <laughs> okay, well, still, holy Christ, that is wow. All right. Anyway, sorry, I, that is a very long run for uh, a body style. That's fucking crazy. It's, um, I, dude, I, I cannot say and like, and so little changed. They changed the grill style. Uh, they had three different styles of grill and the body changed in the slightest ways imaginable. Like they added a body line in 78 and in 78, they also changed the wheel arch, the, like the front half of the wheel arch on the front wheels. So you, you yeah, need like, a, uh, now that I'm seeing it. pictures of these, like they really are way more similar than I thought they were. I'm like, no, there's no way they were that long, but like, Yeah. Yeah, that was the same fucking van for, for 20 plus years. Nice. You know, that reminds me, I think on, it was one of the uh, episodes on Unsafe at Any Speed. I was talking about how like in the 60s, Chevy had the um, the shift pattern that was like a PNDLR instead of the, oh, the yeah. normal one. I didn't know this, but do you know, you know how late they kept using that shift pattern on some of their cars no to the Until 1980 <laughs> <laughs> like they knew it was a problem and they just kept doing it for decades yeah i think you i think you alluded to the fact that they uh they did continue doing it even though they knew it was bad yeah uh, spiritually i am chevy it's because <laughs> they're basically saying like listen if it ain't broke don't fix it and if it yeah. is broke don't fix it yeah uh, I was watching a video the other day about the development of the Fiero, and that sounds a lot like GM. I, I don't know much about the development of the Fiero, but I know that there's still supposedly exists one that has uh, the Smoky Unix hot vapor engine installed into it and just gets makes crazy power and gets good fuel economy. Yeah. Well, I think the prototype, or there was like some trim level that was designed to get 50 miles per gallon highway with it had like the tallest gearing and the smallest engine or whatever, but it, uh, and it was basically just to get their cafe numbers up, you know, kind of like how modern companies use, uh, electric cars to, you know, 
offset all of their gas guzzling pickups and stuff. I think oh, it's okay. super awesome that they're able to do that. I, I love it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I just love that it's like, okay, cool. We're just like leaning right into, oh, if we do this, we can do more of the worst thing. And you're like, oh my God, why is this happening? <laughs> I mean, again, that is sort of my approach to life when I'm like in my shop or, or something. Like, if I just do this, then I can get away with doing the worst job ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. But I'm also not a, like a, a, a multinational company that's destroying the world. <laughs> yeah. I'm just a single man and I am trying to only destroy the Western world. It's, uh... <laughs> <laughs> it's not much, but it's honest work or whatever. <laughs> um, well, you guys want to talk about some safety vehicles or should we take a quick break? Uh, quick break would be great for me. I've been again continuing on the coffee and the beer, and it is all right. All right, don't get clogged up this time. I'm gonna try not to get clogged up this time. <laughs> all right, all right. All right, we're back and we're talking about the experimental safety vehicle program of the 1970s, which was a federal program to look into uh, safety and how cars could be safer. Um, and it was kind of uh, it was kind of spurred on by the the safety movement, started in part by Ralph Nader. But before all of that, there were a few lone lone wolves just trying to go go at their own and make a safety vehicle without any federal funding and and for I that think... we will never forgive them <laughs> so there's a couple that i wanted to talk about here um like i said i went down a little bit of a, a rabbit hole so uh so in 1952 there is a a priest by the name of uh father alfred giuliano a catholic priest in uh ridgefield Pennsylvania. So this priest, he, as a, as a teenager, he wanted to be a car designer, but ultimately, you know, decided to go into the priesthood, but a hell of a backup plan. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, you know, he, he kept, kept that dream alive. And in 1952, he decided to make a prototype safety car called the Aurora. And he took out some loans and he spent his, uh, savings and he also took some donations from his parishioners yeah i'm glad you left that part in because at first i thought you were gonna skip that i was like no this motherfucker took donations to the church i was like you know what i'm gonna do my own thing (laughs) yeah good old rugged individual with no help from the government (laughs) Um, from the government and uh, your your parishioners yeah (laughs) pass around that collection bucket i gotta make some i gotta make some money God, I, I, what, what was it called when like a uh, priest would like sell absolution or whatever oh indulgences yeah i just imagine that he's like <laughs> he's like listen i'm not gonna tell your wife what you've been doing but it's gonna cost <laughs> you a couple bucks <laughs> yeah oh my god yeah like he was smart enough to build a car. He was definitely smart enough to install like recording devices in the confessional. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, as far as I can tell, this guy was uh, 
honest and above board, but maybe just a little bit more ambitious than he had any right to be. Um, yeah, I mean, he was look, he was honest and a decent guy, except for the like taking money from the parishioners to, to do this. Right. I, I don't think that could ever be honest. Yeah. This would so, be so fun to make a gritty biopic about him. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so he started in 1952 and then uh, in 1953, he got the chassis from a 53 Buick. And he started building a wood and fiberglass body on top with uh, shatterproof. Amazing. Yeah. Great. So he bought a brand new Buick and said, fuck this car. And yeah. Just took the chassis. Yeah. Because, you know, that steel body would just rust too much. So he had to build it out of wood and fiberglass, which, you know, primo durable materials. And he had. I mean, I got no problem with fiberglass, but the wood seems like an interesting <laughs> choice. Yeah. And there's pictures out there of some of the construction or the restoration later on where um, you can see the wooden structure. And uh, it's it's an interesting look. I'll say that much. But, I'll uh, say that like I can't remember how it compares to a lot of other things. But like wood does have a surprising uh, strength to weight ratio. Yeah, I mean, they still build boats out of wooden fiberglass. Um so it, it, it does make sense in some cases. And also like um, Morgan cars uh, have like wood and aluminum bodies. I forget exactly why they do that other than maybe it's easier for, to to make a one off or a small volume production line um, with wood rather than metal. Um, but uh, so the, the Aurora car had uh, shatterproof plastic windows and light coverings instead of glass. Sweet. It featured uh, seat belts, a roll cage, which I think that's being a little bit generous. It had a metal frame over the top of it. So, I mean, that's that's something. Yeah. Uh, supposedly shock absorbing body color bumpers, padded dashboard, crumple zones, and a telescopic steering wheel. All very good. And so instead of having like shoulder belts, because those hadn't been invented yet. He had uh, just the the windshield sort of sloped away from the the driver in sort of like a bulbous shape, um, so that so, you couldn't hit your head on the on the windshield. So theory. it was like um, almost like a like a bubble window, but for the whole windshield. Yeah, um, I mean, you can see pictures of it. It's very strange looking. Uh, this is kind of one of the reasons why people would call it the world's ugliest car. It gets put <laughs> on a lot of those lists. Okay. That's that is quite a claim. I would like. Do you have a link to the picture by chance? Um, there's a there's a link I put in the chat um, that's got some pictures in there. Okay, uh, I just looked this up. It looks like the taxi from Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Kind of, yeah. It looks a little bit like it's got uh, stung by a bee in the lip or something. It, it also had a feature which I'm not sure was actually fully built or just uh, proposed where the front seats were uh, swivel backwards. If there was an accident, I can't imagine that actually ever working. Yeah. That'd have to be real fucking fast. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And you know, the whole outside, it didn't have any sharp edges or, or like uh, pointy objects poking out or anything. So it was meant to be safe for pedestrians also. Um, And the front end, the, the grill was kind of recessed. 
with this big sort of like scoop in the front, sort of like a, it was meant like a cow catcher to sort of pick up pedestrians and kind of just hold them and cuddle them in the front. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm surprised there are the, cushions on it. Yeah. <laughs> the problem with that, like, I think actually, I don't think it's the ugliest car ever. I, I, I feel like, I feel like there are uglier cars out there. Um, yes. We've all seen Lexuses before. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I don't know. I feel like that um, that lip on the bottom probably great for breaking the shins of pedestrians. <laughs> yeah. like, I, I, I like feel like it's meant to shatter the fucking shins, and then as soon as they like collapse in onto the car, they will then break their hip on the fucking hood. Like this actually seems incredibly dangerous for pedestrians. <laughs> maybe maybe, uh, maybe their engineers came up with something different, but this looks. Um, when you yeah, say they're engineers, the you mean that one priest? <laughs> oh, yeah. Duh. <laughs> yeah, I think it was pretty much just him doing this. Um, it's like, and then when this lower bumper guard thing hits them in the shins, God will save them. <laughs> <laughs> you got to put they've... little uh, little reservoirs of holy water, you know, that's kind of <laughs> scored out in an accident. <laughs> that, way, that way, at least then they maybe go to heaven. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh my God. We've constructed this Buick entirely from rosaries. <laughs> uh, so um, the prototype ended up costing him and his parishioners uh, $30,000, which in today's money is around $337,000. Yeah, I was about to say it's it's between like two and three hundred thousand, so it's actually more than I thought. Yeah, um, but uh, Giuliano figured that he could probably sell the production version for about twelve thousand dollars each, which is still one hundred thirty-five k today. Yeah, that's a, that's an expensive ass fucking car. Yeah. I'm gonna be honest with you. I think they're being very uncharitable when they say this is the ugliest car. <laughs> I, I, I not only do I not think it's that ugly, it's it's got a certain look to it. I feel like the second generation might have looked actually kind of decent. So I don't actually hate this car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely goofy. I don't know if it's uh, as terrible as people might say. Personally, you know I, I would think... remove all safety features. Uh, I would slam it so that it laid frame. <laughs> Damn, hold on. Now I'm starting to feel like, yo, hold on. If those wheels like came out to the like actually good fitment, so they weren't like so fucking recessed, this actually would be a decent looking car. Yeah, I would. I would like to build this car. Actually, you know what? Okay, okay. Oh, fuck he- it. Hear me out. Hear me out. Uh, we don't change anything about the car except we put those crazy like shin shredders that are only legal in Texas for hubcaps. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like the, yes. The the uh, slab. <laughs> car things the uh, yeah, slangers or whatever they're called i always forget what it's called but it's like a spoked rim that has like yes something that might as well be blades and, and razors and shit <laughs> on the end of it yeah yes. we talked about it in some for, episode way back yeah, it's for, for yeah, making it's, shin puree uh, that would be fucking perfect oh my god i love it i love it and this is two-tone by the way like look the listener should probably click whatever link we put in the show notes to like look at pictures but I'm gonna. I'm in case you are too lazy to do that. This this thing is fucking two tone, and it is a very cool two tone. Uh, uh, a lot of possibilities here. This one's silver and black, but like you could really play around with it, and you could do like various colors of beige or something, right? Like if you've seen the old two forties, you know what you know what I'm talking about. 
a lot of potential here. I, I am for this car. This priest actually was he he was on to something. Except yeah. for the pedestrian stuff, this was definitely a dangerous vehicle for pedestrians. That's what I'm saying. Add the, add the shin shredders. Make it so that it's only safe for, <laughs> if you're inside the car. <laughs> yeah. Just cover this thing in three foot long spikes. <laughs> Some oh. like random propeller blades all over it. <laughs> this is this is a little off topic, but you guys see that uh, YouTube channel called I Did a Thing? No. Uh, it's no. Uh, this Australian guy that um, builds like random projects. And one of the things he did lately was uh, like make metal shells for hermit crabs with like spikes on them. Uh, so. <laughs> yes, I love it. Oh, my God. What? Um, but yeah, no, he's pretty cool. Uh his uh his friends channel uh boy boy they do like more um uh like political stuff like they went to north korea stuff like that but uh oh, so they're cool so they're actually cool too oh yeah yeah no he's got like a big uh um what is it 26 de julio or whatever the um the uh, 26th of july movement yeah yeah he's got one of those yeah. flags behind him fucking um, awesome <laughs> but okay. uh I can't find anything. Does do, do we know what motor is in this? Whatever was in a '53 Buick, I'm not sure. Oh, I think that's a nail head. You might be right. I thought it was a straight six of some kind. Oh, I, you know what? it would. I would probably depend on the options. Yeah, uh, but I um, think nail heads started in the early to mid '50s. You might be right. I don't remember. So potentially in the engineering of this car, they're like, oh, we're not going to like reduce the horsepower or anything. We're going to make sure it's just as fast, but we're going to make it safer. Yeah, well, I don't uh, think he touched the mechanical stuff at all, really. Nailheads were like 200 horsepower motors. But yeah, like no, 500 pound feet of torque. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so he he did get the car featured in Mechanics Illustrated magazine. But he did not receive any orders to, to buy one. Get the fuck out. These Zero people. orders. So like it was for sale. It wasn't just a concept. Like this was for yeah. sale and nope. Not one pe- not one person. There were millions of people in this country. And not one said this is cool. <laughs> I guess not. Yeah. This country um, is fucking hopeless. It's always been hopeless too, apparently. Yeah. If I had It's just money, interesting to find out all of the new ways that it was always hopeless. <laughs> yeah they were wrong this car is cool as fuck <laughs> cool as fuck i'm with it i well, at least this thing it had a chance at least one person uh agreed with you but uh first i have to say that you know the company went bankrupt uh and the founder uh father giuliano was investigated for fraud <laughs> that um, sounds about right and then the car sat for a long time until 1993, when British automotive artist Andy Sanders, or Saunders, excuse me, uh, tracked it down to a field in Connecticut and had it shipped to the UK for restoration. And so it's fully restored now. He had it at the 2004 Goodwood Festival of Speed. And now it's at the uh, Bulio, uh, I think is how you pronounce that, uh, Motor Museum in Hampshire. B. E A U L I E U. Well, it's French. It's a French word. Oh. I don't know. But yeah. I leave it to the British to even steal their words. 
Yeah, it was, you know, probably some some someone whose family came over in 1066 and took over. Look, I, this is I'm just saying this is a prime example of why we need to get off of this. The market will decide bullshit because the market is fucking wrong frequently. <laughs> that is like a thesis of this show. But here is a perfect example. The market was fucking wrong. Not one person. Really? Fuck so these if, people. in Fuck these 1953, people. if you were the the commissar for automotive production, you would give this guy a contract. Yeah, or whatever. Sure. Okay. I will if say I was that, the, like... Hold on. Hold on. I got to say. <laughs> all right. I know the Soviet Union was like looking at everything that was happening in the U.S. in the 50s. And nobody in the Soviet Union was like, hey, this car is pretty cool. We should like and he's not getting any orders for this. We should like have this shit over here or steal it or something. Guys, real missed opportunity. This <laughs> this could have been socialist car history right here. Yeah, I would. I would prefer thinking that they're like. Just over there, like, this car is made by a Catholic. How can we get him to the gulags? <laughs> <laughs> but we got to keep the car, though, at the very least. I mean, this car is cool. Well, um, so I got one more car in the 50s uh, that was just one lone wingnut, uh, you know, building his own thing. Uh, and that wingnut was named uh, Walter Jerome. He was a teacher at the, uh, the Wooster Boys Trade School. Worcester, it's Worcester. It didn't, isn't that what I said? You said Worcester. <laughs> well, it's spelled Worcester. Worcester, so, yeah. So fucking, who cares? <laughs> God damn it! I, I look. I have. I have. I have a friend from Worcester, and and I've. I, I know now. It's Worcester, even though it's spelled Worcester. I, actually, I think it's Worcester. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that's. Oh no, no! Don't let someone like that hear you, because. That's a Bostonian accent, and in Worcester, they do not have a Boston accent. And so they, they hate, say, but I hear They I, all hate, they have sort of an East Coast accent, but it is distinctly different from the Boston accent. I, I still don't care. And yeah, it's, it's a, actually, it's, it's, it's Worcester. <laughs> it's just, so we should just call it Worcester at this point. No, I don't just, care. Just go way wrong. It's Wor- Worcestershire. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, so wherever this place is in Massachusetts, we're, we're uh, just a sire. Yeah, in 1958, he uh, finished his prototype safety car called the Survival. So, like, sir, like a knight and so, survival. Oh my god! All right, great. <laughs> now, is is Vival? What 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 is the origin of that name? Uh, I don't see any obvious joke here. So. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> So this was bait. He he actually spent ten years working on this, and it was based on a 1948 Hudson. Um, but he cut it in half and had the engine and the front wheels and everything in one sort of pod, and then the passenger and the driver and everything in the rear, and they were connected with like a flexible joint in the middle Oof, that was your steering. Seems terrible. Um, yeah. I'm against this so far. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the idea behind this was, um, you know, if you were in a collision, it would bend in the middle rather than um, and sort of like absorb the, the shock. And, you know, maybe it would break in half, but then you, you'd be safe in the rear. So it was like uh-huh. having a little escape pod for your car, I guess. Sure. Okay, we'll see how that yeah. works out, maybe. 
but the driver also sat uh, elevated about three feet above the other rear passengers. What the fuck? What? How is and it he had possible? Like, How tall is like this a... car? What? <laughs> <laughs> what is it? A skyscraper driving down the road? What? Well, he had kind of like a like a cupola, sort of like a little turret that he uh, sat in above everything. Okay. Um, Wait, so is, is the driver's seat in the center? Yeah, it's in the center. So I, I posted a, another link for. Yep, I'm I'm getting to the link now. This is absurd. Absurd. What in the fuck am I looking at? Yeah, so what this was to increase fuck? visibility. Um, so the windshield was uh, a cylinder of glass about a foot tall and four feet in circumference. But wh- and- okay, but hold on. I just want to like, what do you mean by the windshield? Because there's a windshield that like is by the motherfucker's torso where you can't see. And then there's yeah. a windshield up top where this idiot's fucking head is hanging. Like, wh- what? <laughs> where is the engine? The engine's in the front pod part. How does it connect? To is the it front wheel drive? No, I think it's rear wheel drive. It just has a U joint right in the middle there. <laughs> okay, and so why is the air air intake above the driver's head? <laughs> well, that's I mean, that's for the passengers for the you know cabin air or whatever. Wait, how oh. co- how concerned was he about suffocating the passengers? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, but one thing I thought was cool is instead of having like wiper blades that move across the windshield, that entire cylinder of glass would rotate around him. And then it had stationary wipers on the edges. Okay. Hold on. This is a fucking Rube Goldberg. (laughs) What the fuck? What? Yeah. That's definitely coming up with the least practical solution to a problem. (laughs) Yeah. I'm no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The least practical solution to not a problem. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um also i like this diagram on the on the front of this link the air-filled rubber bumpers <laughs> yeah it's got rubber bumpers all the way around like a bumper car like a bumper car oh my god it had seat belts of course a roll cage which you know that i'm all for gets, roll cages I'm, well, like I'm i said before cage. that term gets thrown around a lot during this time period it's not like a you know something that would that would fit the rule book of a like modern racing series. It's just, it basically it, wasn't a convertible. Yeah. <laughs> it had some metal bars up there somewhere. Also, I like this idea. This, uh, the two section body minimizes impact of collisions, but um, I would go ahead and say that uh, chances are the point at where it connects the two together is probably going to get absolutely fucked and it might go into the passenger compartment. Oh, maybe that's why he's sitting four feet off the fucking ground <laughs> so that it goes under him and only breaks his shins. <laughs> what I'm learning is that safety cars are anti-shin. <laughs> I mean, yeah. wow. This is... I just... This is... Uh, yeah, this is bizarre. This is um certainly something. <laughs> yeah, it also had sliding doors, which was a big thing I don't know how this was supposed to be safer, but a lot of these safety cars around this time period had sliding doors or going doors. I could um, speculate on that, actually. Okay, think, I'd love to know because yeah. where is the problem with those? Yeah. Uh, in the 30s and 40s, uh, there like the latches were bad and it was like a known thing that like if you got hit the wrong way, the door could pop open. And honestly, I think tr- truly that this was resolved by the end of like the Model A era, but I'm not sure. 
No, oh. that's. I mean, uh, Ralph Nader talked about that, so it was a thing still in the '60s. That um, okay, that well, so cars if, would, yeah, like the term "suicide doors" that originates because if the door popped open because it opens backwards, if you tried to grab it, it would pull you out. Yeah, and because you wouldn't usually wouldn't be able to like pull it shut, it would pull you out of the car. Like a lot of weird solutions to like. So I mean, I don't know why a going door or a sliding door would be better. But you know they're just they're just spitballing. Yeah. Um, so uh, also, hold on. I'm just gonna I'm gonna keep riffing here. I think it is fucking crazy that the last car that we were talking about was called the ugliest car ever, and this one gets a fucking pass. <laughs> I mean, no, this <laughs> this was outrageous. The, this was also on the list. You know, that's kind of how I found it. Is one of those okay. lists of ugliest cars. So okay, that's that's fair. I, I, one more thing. It does feel like if you've ever seen like, <clears throat> uh, and this is a trend more in the last few years, but like you, you people will get like a car that like usually doesn't tow shit, but then they'll like get like the back half of the same car and they'll like turn that into a trailer that they tow. Oh, it's really yeah. cute. That's what this car looks like. I've, ta- <laughs> I've talked about doing that with vans numerous times yes. on this show. Yes, so it looks this car itself looks kind of like that. Like it's got the front piece, and then it like looks like it's towing the passenger compartment, which I guess it kind of is actually. But so it's kind of funny that it's kind of like that actually. Yeah, um, I really want to see the engine layout of this thing. <laughs> <laughs> so he uh, he intended to produce about ten to twelve cars a year. And he figured he could sell Ambitious. them for ten thousand dollars each, which is over a hundred thousand today. In today's dollars that seems that seems like a low price for somebody who plans on making ten or twelve. Yeah. Also, it, that is like if your goal is to save people, why is your goal to to save ten or twelve people a year? <laughs> well, because because what class are those people from who can afford this? Yeah, just saying that's who. That's what I'm learning. Is tasteless a class? (laughs) (laughs) So um, it was featured in Life magazine as well as uh, Mechanics Illustrated, Motor Trend. And it was even at the 1959 Foreign and Sports Car Show in Boston. Uh, Well, of course, that's down the fucking uh, street from where it was made. I mean, Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But it never garnered uh, the funding... Uh, needed to actually manufacture it at full scale. Yeah, looking at this thing, I can understand why. Yeah. So the uh, the last known uh, owner is uh, a company called Bellingham Auto Sales in Massachusetts. So the the prototype is still there as far as I know, um, but that's the only one ever made. So there wasn't, I mean, there was some stuff going on in the 1960s uh, for safety cars, but... I couldn't find too much. So Pininfarina, the des- Italian design company, they came out with two different prototypes for safety cars. They were pretty different, but they were both called the Sigma. Uh, so the 1963 version. Now, I um, keep getting confused. Were they, were they the highly sig- misogynistic or what? What, what was the thing? <laughs> <Yeah>. Damn it. <laughs> Obviously, that was the joke I was going to make, too. <laughs> I'd be brand into a fucking joke. <laughs> um, so the 1963 version uh, was a two-door passenger car. 
designed by Tom uh, Tiarda, I think is how you pronounce that. And it also had sliding doors and a padded steering wheel. Um, I couldn't see any more real safety features on that, but it was marketed as, as being safe, at least. The 1969 version was actually an F1 race car uh, designed by Paolo Martin. And he had the cooperation of Ferrari, Fiat, and Mercedes in making this. Uh, and it was based off of uh, a Ferrari F1 car. The um... This thing's fucking sexy. This car is awesome. I love yeah. it. Yeah. So it was based off the Ferrari 312. Uh, it weighed only 1,300 pounds and made 436 horsepower. Wait, what? what? The fuck? This thing was amazing. I'm, <laughs> How is this a this safety car? car? <laughs> well, it was safer than the the typical F1 cars of the era, which were death traps. So this had, you know, the aluminum monocoque frame from the Ferrari, and then it had a reinforced driver uh, driver survival cell. So kind of like how modern F1 cars have a reinforced area around the driver. Yeah, I feel like um, their idea of a driver safety cell, very different than what they have today. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, this looks a little bit more like a modern uh, F1 car versus the Ferrari that it was based off of, which was just sort of the like slim sort of cigar shaped body with, you know, wheels on on each corner uh, and not any I don't think it had much arrow on the on the Ferrari version. But um so this one had a it had a seven point safety harness, which I'm familiar with a five point safety harness. I'm not sure what seven point means. Um it's two extra okay, hold on. Yeah. What was this last car I was looking at? This one that the cars that never made it? Um yeah, that was the the 63 version that was a passenger car that thing so i mean they have nothing to do with each other but they're both called the sigma and they're both designed by oh yeah they look totally different but also this other one this open wheel one holy shit why couldn't we have this see (laughs) this is the world that ralph nader wanted ralph nader was like we need cars that are safer and a fucking amazing this is the world we could have lived in but we didn't get this instead we oh my god this is amazing well in open wheel f1 one is so fucking sick. Yeah. I lo- what the fuck? See, people are like, oh, safety is bad. I'm like, no, safety could have been fucking awesome. We could have all been going to work in like F1 level fucking cars. But no, capitalism said we can't have that. Well, in uh, in F1, it was mostly, I think, Jackie Stewart that was pushing for more safety um, because a lot of a lot of drivers were dying in the 50s and 60s in crashes. And, and sometimes I, even pedestrians. Oh yeah, and a lot of uh, yeah. I think uh, I think well, there's your problem. Did a episode about the what was it? When they did the Grand Prix. Uh, I don't know the year, but it, yeah, they had a car that was built primarily out of magnesium. Yeah, and uh, it killed it killed a few people. But uh, yeah, so Jackie Stewart was was pushing for this, and I think the FAA came back and told him, "Well, why don't you just drive slower?" <laughs> um so yeah the fia um after now that i've gotten into formula one uh it turns out the fia is just really fucking incompetent seemingly yeah. in every instance you're like how is this your decision what um so it's good to know that they've always been super incompetent yep 
But so anyway, this car had a um, multi-layer plastic fuel tanks, which I think is kind of a precursor to modern like fuel cells. It had a built-in fire extinguisher system. Oh, hell yeah. A rear wing that doubled as rollover protection. Sweet. And then side pods that extended around the wheels to keep uh, the wheels from running into to things and hanging up. Nice. That's fucking awesome. I yeah. genuinely love this car. Yeah, this yeah. is amazing. This thing is super cool. So this was 1969, and most of these features weren't adopted until like the 80s, I think. Yeah, this thing's ahead of its time. This is a fucking amazing car. <laughs> like, I cannot understate or overstate how amazing this thing looks. And Dude, probably... The, the picture where it shows the... like, If you're listening fucking find this link and look this car up it is so cool the the way that they have the uh intake and exhaust uh flipped for the way you would normally see it on a uh yeah v configure like that wasn't wildly uncommon back then but man they those headers are just fucking gorgeous oh yeah it's, it's so incredible <laughs> um yeah what do they call this reverse flow or whatever uh yeah usually yeah um when it, and that that engine, it it even has the um, it has the intake ports in between the cams. It's a weird arrangement. Hmm. Yeah. But uh, what was I going to say? Okay. So yeah. So getting on to the actual safety vehicle program. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> in 1970, the National Highway Safety Bureau announced uh, its experimental safety vehicle program. And this was basically a way to give federal funding to car companies to develop prototype safety vehicles to, you know, explore the idea of different um, technologies and how they could make cars safer. The idea was that these features or inventions or what have you would make their way into production cars by around 1980. Um, Yeah. So some of the goals or requirements of the program were to keep passengers alive in a 50 mile per hour head on collision with a solid obstacle, withstand rear impacts of 75 miles an hour, side impacts at 30 miles an hour, and be able to to survive two complete rollovers at around 65 miles an hour. So it's pretty ambitious, even for like a modern car. And to keep them from being like too heavy, um, they had like multiple weight classes, but they also required that it stop from 60 miles an hour in 155 feet. And it had to be able to execute a 180 degree turn at 70 miles an hour without rolling over. So do like a, what, what do you call it? Like a J turn or whatever. I've, I mean, honestly, if you pack all of that into a car that doesn't look like shit, it sounds sick. <laughs> well, the yeah. problem is they all kind of looked like shit, mm. um, or at least most of them did. Look, I, I got to say, though, the way to like if you're like, oh, well, you want to be able to make an 180 degree turn at 70 miles an hour. The way to do that is to lower the fucking car and just like make it not a skyscraper, like, yeah. which is makes it look cooler by consequence. It's like. But yeah, some of these are definitely difficult to do. I yeah. guess going from six some, from sixty to zero and one hundred and fifty five feet by today's standards, I think that would be pretty slow. But like better braking, like 
Well, like, all the same performance thing too, though, yes, man. That was like one of Carol Shelby's things. That's like what I'm saying is like all the safety shit. I'm like, well, they just were like, hey, we should make like regular cars act like race cars in certain respects, and we didn't get that. <laughs> so <laughs> you're being a little optimistic about what we potentially could have gotten out of some of these experiments, but <laughs> I, do see what you're I mean, perhaps, yeah. but. I'm I'm imagining a world in which we all could have gotten fucking race cars and it would have been safer and better. Yeah. I mean, some of these are generally cool, but uh, a lot of them are ugly. Yeah. That's because those those motherfuckers just don't have no vision. <laughs> I'm just over here like thinking like what it would have been like when I turned 16 and they're like, all right, here's an F1 car. I'm like, six. <laughs> I am so safe right now. Well, they, they weren't all F1 cars. In fact, that was pretty much the only one um but like basically every car manufacturer that you've heard of um made a prototype for this and also some companies that weren't uh car manufacturers uh like, like random fucking catholic priest guy <laughs> well also uh the aircraft don't company complain. don't complain about him he, kept, he stayed so busy building cars he wasn't able to molest any children <laughs> Ooh, it's um, oh God! Yeah, what? That was a big problem with those people. <laughs> what was a big problem? <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, where was I? Um, you're talking about uh, Catholic priests and their problem. With <laughs> no, no, we're talking about we're talking about safety vehicles. Damn it! <laughs> um, Cars and comrades off the fucking rails again. Yeah. So there was. That's- Nothing. Just nothing. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, aircraft manufacturer Fairchild, um, they made like fighter planes and stuff. They made a uh, safety vehicle, and then the uh, the Boeing company AMF, um, which uh, I forget if it Excuse was. Me? What? Yeah. Did I yeah. Stop. Hold on. Did I, was I not paying attention or something? Or what? Yeah, um, I think. No, it's okay. It's, they owned Harley Davidson. Yeah, they own Harley Davidson. They made mopeds. Um, they made all kinds of weird shit around this in the seventies. You're joking? I mean, no. What? Yeah, the bowling company made. Yeah, owned Harley Davidson. Yeah, yeah. The, I mean, they, they were owned from seventy until like eighty two. Yeah, they did other manufacturing stuff too. I forget what all they did because I, I think it, I don't understand. People really believe in the capitalist system. They really believe in it. And then you tell me a bowling company owned Harley Davidson and was going to make a car. Like, dude, that's why, like, it's one of the reasons Harley's reputation was so bad for a long time was because they were owned by a bowling company that didn't know what the fuck they were doing. Yeah. Well, it stands for uh, American Machine and Foundry. And it's also the uh, inventor of the first automated cigarette manufacturing machine. So, uh, doing they, God's uh, work. yeah, <laughs> I think they I don't want to talk bakeries. about cigarette machines too much. I'm going to be honest with you. I've been drinking a little bit and it kind of makes me want a cigarette and I quit. So, <laughs> all right. Well, I've been, we'll having, cra- I've been having cravings lately. It's been rough, man. It's been a rough couple of weeks. I'm just like, yeah, I want a cigarette. And I'm like, I quit though. I should not have that. I only smoke when I'm on fire. <laughs> <laughs> So every which now is, and then. Yeah, which is every now and then for you. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So um, moving on to uh, Fiat, um, they 
produced a few different uh, safety car concepts in the 70s. Uh, for, for those people that don't know, that stands for Fix It Again, Tony. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, so they... They tried in three different weight classes, uh, the 1500, 2000, and 2500. Damn, so those were weight classes back then, huh? Yeah, Shit. that those All were right. the weight. There was also a 4,000 pound uh, weight class in the uh, the ESV program, but uh, Fiat didn't uh, didn't make anything that heavy. So the 1500, it it used running gear and engine and everything from a Fiat 500. Uh, and then body panels from an 850 and a 126, uh, but with a custom, you know, strengthened uh, frame and everything. It had really big bumpers front and back made out of polystyrene, or excuse me, uh, made of uh, black polyurethane foam uh, with the lights and the grill sort of recessed in the middle. And then on the inside, it had like a padded dashboard, but they didn't fit to the uh 1500 pound uh limit they went 252 pounds over really this car seems real fucking small i don't know how the hell yeah. they were not within that well it's still it's still <laughs> only 1750 pounds that's pretty light yeah i guess that's pretty light and then uh the 2000 pound car was based on the 128 sedan uh it had the same big foam bumpers uh but this time they wrapped all the way around the car uh, on the doors nice. and the sides and everything. And it also ended up overweight at 2,563 pounds. Okay, I'm not going to lie. This first one looks pretty decent. I- I'm with it. This is cool. Yeah, and this it's one... It's ugly, might have but to... like it, could, it, 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 was, it had potential. It was cool. This one, you'll have to scroll down a little bit, uh, but you can see it, it's a little bit beat up because they uh, tested it in crashes and stuff. Ooh, now this next one? Wow. Uh, am i seeing the right car this you might have to scroll down it's the like yellow and black one oh okay hold on let's get to that yellow and it's black. like a four-door sedan oh, okay. Weirdly oh like this it. thing looks yeah this looks dope i like this. yes yeah it was basically just a fiat 128 but you know with a little bit different uh stuff added onto it my big complaint is that i would have to remove the front seats and sit in the back to drive it yeah <laughs> What is this? Okay, this Fiat X one two three. Oh, that is a car. That is a. Oh, sorry, is that the little unrelated... red one? The what? The little red one. Yeah, the little red one that looks like um, like they purposely made like a caricature of a car. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that one's yeah. ugly. But if you read on in that, they made an electric version that had like thirteen horsepower. I mean, that that actually kind of is look. I'm all for like little proletarian vehicles that are yeah. good for tr- like that would be good for a lot of places. This yellow and black one kind of cool, though. I-, I dig it. Yeah. So I'm not going to spend too much time on these because I didn't actually find that much information. But uh, Nissan and Toyota both made um, some safety cars. So here's Hell the yeah. Nissan one. Let's see the Nissan one. I'm it a Nissan a, fan. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say it was awesome. X concept. I'm gonna, before even looking at it, I'm going to say it was fucking awesome. It, it was probably the, the Damn, best looking of look this Damn, look at the bunch. fucking pictures. Oh, my God. Look, what a fucking solid guess. This thing is amazing. I yeah. don't need to know shit about it. This car, look at this thing. Holy fuck. It looks like a 300ZX. Unbelievable. So, this was a. Are we uh, looking at the same car? 
the 71 know, Nissan 216X concept? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't see what you're seeing. <laughs> <laughs> this thing's amazing. What are you talking about? I don't about? hate on it, but it doesn't look like any other Nissan I've ever seen. This looks like something out of like Logan's Run or like... <laughs> Okay, some other like seventies no, sci-fi movie. No, there's no. I can absolutely see there is there is some influence here on the later Z thirty two three hundred ZX. Like the the taillights look not the same, but like it's got a similar sort of like taillight sit- situation. That long that long hood with the driver sitting back closer to the rear wheels. This looks dope. This I, has I a rear facing periscope. Yeah, so that was a feature that came in a few of these safety cars. I don't quite understand it, but the idea was to get better, like, field of view in the rear. So instead of a fucking rear view mirror, you look through a periscope? Yeah. Oh, my God. I love it. <laughs> oh, my God. This is amazing. What? So it was oh. a it was a two liter um, four cylinder um, mid engine. And it had uh, bumpers that would automatically extend six inches outward while it was in motion. Oh, my God. <laughs> I love this. Like I said, I couldn't find out much more than that. I think it was no, just No, there's a... like a short little blurb and a couple pictures, but this thing's fucking amazing. Yeah. I love it. Oh, man. See, look at what a good guess. I bet I, I was like, Nissan, this one's going to be good. And it was amazing. <laughs> it's definitely the most stylish of the 1970s ESV cars. Just knowing what we could have fucking had. Yeah. I'm so mad. We, we could have had safe cars that were fucking incredible. Yeah. Now, the Toyota one was not quite as good looking, but it was cool in its own way. Um, basically, they took like a, a four door sedan and turned it into like a little two seater thing so that it would have more crumple zones. I like where that's headed. Yeah, I like where this yeah. is going. Um, and they had some pretty high tech features in this, uh, like four wheel anti-lock disc brakes, um, oh, wow. airbags. It had airbags that were activated by radar sensors what automatic automatic safety belts which a lot of uh a lot of these prototypes had you know like what later became standard in the 80s where you had the the seat belt uh, that would you know go on its little track oh um, hell yeah <laughs> also amazing this shit is so cool yeah these experimental yeah. cars like i really thought they were going to be all fucking uggos and totally shitty but these are actually pretty decent <laughs> i mean they got giant bumpers and everything but uh, yeah cool i'm good with uh, that big bumpers <laughs> so wait which one are we looking at the esv2 yeah so um they had it, it, it kind of has a weird quality of looking like a squished down like g body from the 80s yeah kind of yes <laughs> or like i, I, um, I kind of like it yeah what yeah, was that I little do... like two-seater buick that they made in the 80s uh like riata or something oh i don't know I don't, yeah it reminds me a little bit that, of that it does look like a squish down g body it really <laughs> does this is oh my god i i was not <laughs> expecting to like so many of these cars i was like gonna be like oh ha they're all so silly but like actually a lot of these are super cool yeah <laughs> I mean, the difference wait, seems to be I'm when so one sp- person spends all of the other people's money, they create an abomination. But when you have an actual engineering department, they create something that you could live through a crash in, but is also kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, this is amazing. Yeah, this is I support pretty much all of these cars, except for a couple of the goofy ones that I may have already made fun of. But yeah, 
So the Toyota, it also had an energy absorbing steering column, electronic stability control in 1972, and a silicone rubber bumper in the front mounted on shock absorbers. So some of these features, I'm guessing not all of them, were incorporated into the 73 uh, Toyota Corona, which... uh, That name didn't age well. (laughs) Yeah. It's kind of funny that like a lot of Toyota cars are named after crowns. So like there's the Toyota crown that they sold in, in uh, Japan. And then there's the Corona is Spanish for crown. And I think I want to say Toyota is Toyota is Japanese for crown. Is it really? No, I I just made that up. (laughs) I thought it was just some guy's name. It was. Okay. (laughs) Although also, by the way, a fun little fun fact CEOs in a lot of like Japanese country uh, in Japan will like change their name to like the company names. Like a lot of the CEOs of Toyota have like changed their name to Toyota. Yeah, it's like some weird thing where like the the previous CEO will adopt the upcoming (laughs) CEO. So they're all in the Toyota family, but they're not really. Yeah. Interesting. Just a little stupid fun fact. But yeah. Let's see. So uh, the next one up uh, is made by Volvo, and it's probably the most high tech and safe one of this bunch. Uh, I'm this also is... going to go ahead and go out on a limb and say it's probably the ugliest, right? It's it's kind of cool looking. I mean, it basically just looks like a like a 240 with bigger bumpers on it. Yeah. And a lot of the technology that they developed for this went into the 240 or the 200 series. Okay, this um, isn't too bad. That front end looks decent. Yeah, so this was a 72 Volvo BESC concept. And uh, so it not only had the collapsible steering column, it had a spring-loaded steering column that would retract into the dashboard in, in a crash. It had front and rear airbags. Um, Ooh, the engine, interesting. The engine mounts were designed uh, to push the engine underneath the car in a crash. Well, now how in the hell would they do that? So it they were like on on pivots or something, and so like a certain part of the the mount would break off. Oh, that's uh, so cool! And then it would like swing down and push oh, it. Oh, that's so cool! <laughs> I mean, it would suck if you got into a crash, like a little fender bender, and all of a sudden your engine breaks out. But like, well, no, I mean, this is like any kind of crash that's going to be, you know, squishing your engine against the firewall that kind of uh, okay yeah so when your shit's fucked up anyway it's gonna not put the engine into your shins exactly this is the first pro shin safety car (laughs) wow all right that's pretty cool yeah again it had a reinforced safety cage which is basically they just welded some more metal around the top of it i honestly think that like that's what we've been missing all this fucking time so much would have been would have been like consumer cars should just have roll cages yeah like i just i cannot get a pass i'm like we really should have just had fucking roll cages all this fucking time yeah i mean they also uh spent a lot of time on the latches the door latches to make it so they wouldn't pop open in a crash and honestly if you had a roll cage you wouldn't even need to worry about that yeah (laughs) i mean you probably maybe maybe a little bit but like they have done so much safety engineering and shit. And honest to God, it's like y'all have spent fucking billions of dollars to figure out how to make a car safe without a, a fucking roll cage. And it's like, I don't know, maybe y'all can spend the like $2,000 to add the roll cage to the cars. Just, I mean, that would be so much better. Yeah. 
in my opinion. I mean, yeah, seatbelts and airbags too, but like they could have saved a lot of fucking engineering time if they had just been like, gee, let's put a little fucking tubular frame around the car. Right. I mean, maybe I'm maybe 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 I'm wrong, but like that seems like they spent a lot of money to avoid doing that. <laughs> it can be hard to. I think the move would actually be to integrate the like A pillars and B pillars and all of that into like a, a more like tubular like structural design yeah. with the roof because yeah, to actually sure. just add a frame just it's hard to make it look good. No, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think I think that's what I. That's more what I mean. Instead of just like adding a frame to it, like just like make that beef that up and make the unibody like part like incorporate a tubular frame section to it well and i think modern cars are pretty well made in that regard like they have high strength steel in the passenger area to make sort of like a safety cell that you know they don't use actual like do dom tubing that's like cut and welded together they just have high strength steel pressed sheet metal that's welded in a certain shape that sort of approximates the same thing. Yeah. But I don't know. I, I haven't studied it in that, in that much depth, but like back in the day, uh, we could have been like, it may, may not have looked super great in the interior, but like we could have probably just like attached a, a, a fucking roll cage that like followed the contours of the car precisely. If you engineered it ahead of time, probably would have saved a lot of people. Right. Some more features that uh, the Volvo car had. Uh, it had like washers and wipers for the the headlights as well as the uh, rear window. So that's where it began. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that can't possibly make an actual difference. <laughs> uh, there are a lot of like mid 2000s Volvos that have that. I don't know. Like, I feel like it maybe does. I feel like we assume it doesn't because no other cars do it. But really, it's like, I don't know if you like if you think about like how water distorts light and stuff, you can have a shitload of water on your fucking headlight, like a little droplets yeah. and stuff. And yeah, I could see it. Be, I, I could see it making a difference. Maybe a small difference, but yeah, it's kind of like how when you go swimming in the middle of the day and suddenly like you're just submerged in blackness. <laughs> All right, yeah, Brandon see, is not a See, I, I can see how it wouldn't make a difference. <laughs> Fair, okay. You, you might okay, you might be right. Let's see. It also had uh the bumpers were designed to absorb an impact up to 10 miles an hour, which um was you know the 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 standard for crash safety like in the late 70s I think was 5 miles an hour, so this was, you know, uh double that. Um, I feel had... like they really were not thinking ahead with those yeah. standards. <laughs> like that just seems like silly. You're almost like, look, if you're going to make it safe for five miles an hour, why even bother? <laughs> like, what's the point? It had uh, anti-lock brakes, automatic ride height control. So it was like self-leveling. Dope. That's cool. Automatic fuel supply cutoff. So if there was a crash, it would turn off the the uh, fuel pressure. Oh, cool. Sweet. That's had cool. a backup warning beeper, like on a truck, you know? That's annoying. They That's should annoying as hell. No, I don't like yeah. that. <laughs> and it had a, a rear view camera in 1972. Fuck yeah. That's amazing. That is super cool. I'm on board for that. The beeping, no, but camera in the back, awesome. Yeah. Uh, wow, it was so also. Hold on. It took us until 2012 to mandate that. So from yes. 1973. So 
what what's that? Thirty plus. Uh, ooh, okay, I've been drinking a little bit. Um, that's forty. 40 or 45 years. I can't do the full math, but I can get close. Um, so it was also the test bed for the new fuel injected engine that they put in the 1974 production uh, car and it passed emissions. No problem. Um, it was uh, like, I think the first like, you know, computerized fuel injected engine, you know, in a mass production Interesting. car. Interesting. So that was Volvo. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. I think they also had the first catalytic converter and um, exhaust gas recirculation. Huh. Okay. I had no idea. Yeah. Volvo gets some credit for that. So um, this one is probably the ugliest, uh, and it was made by uh, MG. Uh, You know, no surprise, the the British are making ugly stuff. Uh, This was... The SSV1 in 1972, um, based off of an MG, MGB GT, um, sort of the hardtop hatchback version of the MGB. It had the uh, the old uh, rear view um, periscope, but not as elegant as the uh, yeah. Okay, the look, that's that's the. Um... <laughs> They got the periscope looking like the periscope you would expect. It's fucking ugly. However, <laughs> this is overall the car is not that ugly, except for that unsightly fucking periscope. Yeah. Outside of that, it looks like just a regular MG, and it's kind of cool looking. So I mean, call this the ugliest when we've when we're comparing it to the car that like has two fucking sections and is like a goddamn bumper okay. car. Yeah, not even I would close. say this is the ugliest of the factory uh, proposals, you know. Fair. Okay, I'll give you that. I mean, the, the, the giant rubber bumpers that it had kind of made it onto the production uh, version also, and a lot of people really hate those. Um, yeah, they are ugly. They are real ugly. Yeah, and, you know, people will switch them out for the Euro bumpers or whatever. So it, it had airbags, anti-lock brakes, self-leveling suspension, impact-absorbing side panels, the rear view periscope was supposed to give the driver 120 degrees of field of vision. Okay. And then it, it also had a, um, an early device that was meant to prevent drunk driving. And it had like a little puzzle game built into the dashboard. (laughs) Uh, kind of like that game, Simon, where, you know, it would like do a pattern of beeps and lights and stuff and you had to match it. (laughs) And uh, if you if you messed up, then you it wouldn't start the car for oh, like an hour. Oh no. oh, no. And then you had to try again. Oh, no. I feel so, like I could I could envision myself trying to do that sober going to work and fucking yeah. that up. And like that would piss me off pretty bad. Yeah. Sorry, boss. I'm going to be late. My fingers slipped while I was starting my car. <laughs> <laughs> and then. Um, this one I kind of liked the uh, the Volkswagen ESVW one. This was one of the last cars that they designed with uh, the rear mounted air cooled engine uh, before they went over to the Golf with the front wheel drive water cooled engine. And it's like a four door sedan with a trunk in the rear and a trunk in the front. And so it had you know plenty of big crumple zones, and then it had. Uh, early form of stability control, uh, seat belt tensioners, 
it actually had seat belts that went across your knees, which I'm not really sure if that was necessary. Yeah, it seems uh, that seems like it's not really helping anything. Yeah, it's just a subtle nod at the German's affinity for bondage. <laughs> uh, and then um the seats were bolted down and then like the steering wheel and pedals and everything would move and i guess they just oh, figured that okay. it would be easier to make the safety systems around a fixed seat rather than let it move i guess maybe yeah. i i'm skeptical of that being comfortable but okay yeah you You barely notice because of the way your knees are strapped in (laughs) (laughs) wait so how did you yeah like so you put your foot up against the clutch and the brake pedal and and fucking accelerator but then like as soon as you move your legs away like wouldn't wouldn't the belt not make any sense anymore (laughs) i i think it was supposed to like automatically deploy in a crash or something like it wasn't on your knees all the time oh okay but it's like i'm just going off of like kind of thing (laughs) i was gonna make the spider-man joke too (laughs) god damn it (laughs) oh i'm on a roll today (laughs) you are killing it (laughs) interesting okay i'm skeptical of this working but good yeah german engineering i mean that didn't make it into production you know in case you hadn't noticed Um, yeah (laughs) so uh so that first program kind of wound down and then in 1975 the nhtsa um started a new program where they awarded um contracts to just two companies one of them i couldn't find out much information about but one of the contracts was to uh the mini cars corporation and this was just a startup to design safety cars. It wasn't any bigger company. And uh, so they designed at first a small four passenger car with uh, safety and efficiency in mind. Um, so it had the engine and transmission from a Honda Accord, uh, but in the rear as a mid-mounted um, Wait, what year is this? Did the uh, this was 1975. Hmm. Wow. Okay. So uh, I think that might have been one of the first years for the Accord. Um, which, you know, was a much smaller car back then. It was, you know, like the size of a Honda Fit now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of cords a fucking whale these days, but. Dude, a friend of mine up until very recently drove a, oh, it wasn't a cor- an Accord, it was a Corolla, but he drove like an early 80s Corolla, and it was just shocking how small it was. Yeah. Were those the rear Hold drive on, was ones? It, was it one of, yeah, one of the rear drive ones? Uh, it was front wheel drive. Oh, okay. Huh. There was some weird... Yeah, the uh, the old Corollas from the 80s are uh, iconic drift cars. Right. Yeah, there was there was a time when uh, Toyota was making two different cars called the Corolla, and one was front drive and one was rear drive in the 80s. Huh. Yeah. Now, I'm, I'm second-guessing myself now. Maybe it wasn't a Corolla. I, I don't know, but... It, it might have been. I don't know. Yeah, it, it's very possible that it was. I mean... okay. It could have also been a Corolla Tercel, which, you know, the, the first Tercel was like a trim level Corolla or something. Oh, I didn't know that, actually. I yeah. really did not know that. Their their naming conventions in the 80s were a little weird. Yeah, they sure were. But anyways, back to the mini car. It had a uh, sort of custom composite body and they like filled it full of expanding foam to absorb impacts. And then they had... Uh, 
run flat tires, anti-lock brakes with crash sensing radar, dual stage yeah. airbags. And, you know, it was designed to allow passengers to walk away from a 50 mile per hour crash. While you could also get 32 miles per gallon. With God it. damn, that's impressive. Yeah. I'm oh, and it had, it had uh, gullwing doors. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, naturally. Awesome. Yeah. And um, actually, here, let me put some links in the chat. This first one, I don't think it has any pictures uh, that actually load anymore because it's an old Jalopnik article and they fucked up their web hosting when they went bankrupt. But I've got a couple PDFs here, too, from uh, NHTSA and um, Auto Safety Research. Yeah, so this didn't really... It, w- it was just a program with the NHTSA, so it didn't get picked up by, by a bigger car company, but they really wanted it to, so they actually had a, like a big ad campaign. They had, I forget his name, one of the actors from Battlestar Galactica do the voiceover for it, and uh, the slogan was, the safest automobile ever created. There's one slight catch. You can't buy it. And so they told viewers to write in and say, like, hey, we want this car um, to sort of gauge response. And uh, at least 10,000 people did write in. The car is the RSV, right? Uh, Yes, RSV uh, mini car. This thing looks awesome. I I can't believe it was only 10,000 people writing in. I love it even more than I hate it. (laughs) yeah (laughs) it again looks like something from like a sci-fi tv show but it's got yeah it's it's kind of sick yeah okay you know it almost looks like a honda crx with more windows and a longer hood yeah going doors in going doors (laughs) and some people have said the the rear end looks kind of like a like a amc pacer a little bit yeah, I, I do hate the rear end, but when I say I love it even more than I hate it, I mean, like, the rest of the car kind of makes up for its weird ass. Yeah. This is, yeah, this is, a, I, I love it. Oh, again, in holding with my opinions of most of these cars, they're fucking cool. Yeah. Um, they also made, like, a like a boring-looking sedan version of it that was just, like, Ooh. you know, like a regular ass Ford sedan that they fuck put that all these car. Features. This one, we want the cool one. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why I'm talking about this one. So, um, they were working on a new design for 1981 until the Reagan administration came in and killed the program. God damn it. That son of a bitch. Of course it was Reagan Reagan. Oh yeah. my God. I look, I hate that. I hate him anyway, but like, Oh, here's more pictures of it. Unbelievable. This thing's amazing. <laughs> what the fuck man of course ronald reagan would kill a cool ass fucking car like this yeah unbelievable this thing is so fucking cool <laughs> so that was the end of that program um there were other car companies making safety vehicles um most of them just look like boring ass normal cars with bigger bumpers or whatever so these I wacky did... ones actually were fucking cool though yeah well, so the ones I, that were picked, actually genuinely safe are. Super I picked cool. the wackiest ones rather than the the one that looks just like a normal Mercedes sedan. Naturally, um, yo, this is cool as hell though. Yeah. I want one. I absolutely <laughs> want one. Can they make this as a fucking kit car now? Well, there's I think two of the prototypes are still left that didn't get scrapped. Um, so you can 
you know, contact the guy that built them and he'll sell you one for I, a lot of yeah, money. Millions. I, I can't <laughs> afford it. But like, damn. So, all right, looking at the interior, my, my biggest complaint is the seats are super like thin and probably very lightweight. My, uh, to be safer, this is all about safety. I do think they should have had like race car, like bucket seats would have been cooler, would have been very cool, would have been very safe and also probably weigh just as much but super awesome i love this thing yeah it's pretty cool i actually like the style of the seats i just think they like the color scheme i'm looking at is not doing it for me but the dash oh my god if there is a weak point for me it is the dash my where's the oh yeah that yeah that is a wild looking dash and not in a way that i find good that's fair. Why is the steering column ribbed? <laughs> yeah. And there might be some pictures of the four-door, or I mean the regular sedan version in there somewhere. But it, like I said, it just looks like a normal sedan from the 70s. But yeah, that's all I've got uh, today. Um, I think next time we'll have uh, sort of a biography of Ralph Nader and some of the more activist stuff that he got up into in the 70s and 80s and 90s but um yeah anything else any final thoughts before we wrap up guys any uh anything i i think like the big one of the big takeaways from this whole fucking series is that we were robbed of some really cool fucking cars that were a lot safer than what was offered for sale Uh, the market fucking failed big time and the government regulations like the government failed too but like a lot of these cars were super cool. And I think I went into this. I went into this series thinking like, oh, we're going to clown on a bunch of like goofy ass looking cars that were super lame. Same. <laughs> and I found out that actually a lot of these cars would have been really cool. And like a lot of the safety stuff is like, oh, you know, actually we're discovering that we'd like cars to like break way faster and also be lower to the ground. And like we should shrink them down so they look cool. And it's like, what the fuck? What? But the car companies did the opposite of that and i'm just like we could have had the coolest looking and way better performing cars and like that was what would have made them safer and so like there is clearly like this idea which in america i feel like we just all believe like oh government regulation is bad and like oh you know safety means boring and stuff and actually every one of these cars was wildly cooler than what we fucking got yeah. <laughs> and i'm mad that like that's the reality i'm still over here just ogling pictures of this f1 car <laughs> <laughs> it's so gorgeous that thing is beautiful i'm sitting here thinking like could i feasibly build this <laughs> <laughs> everyone like well not everyone but like a lot of these cars are so amazing like we really missed out on <laughs> And a lot of people, and and here's the nasty part. A lot of people fucking died because the car companies did not want to do this. And like, how fucked up is that? We could have had something cooler, better, faster, better performing in every way. And instead, the car companies were like, you know what? What if we made uglier cars that killed people instead? That was, that's capitalism, baby. I mean, in all fairness, the market could have spoken and bought the $150,000 priest car. Yeah, (laughs) that's fair. Uh, 
you know that like meme where it's like you know the world if uh um, yes john yes. hinckley didn't miss or whatever <laughs> it's like it's, a, it's that the, the it's world that. if uh what's his name father so-and-so got some orders for his weird ass car <laughs> y'all this um, this incredibly weirdly named f1 car that i like it per, farina manini pre the sigma car, what is it pinifarina pin oh is that, is that how you pronounce it pinifarina Dude, I, I literally just, every time there's a lull and I'm not speaking, I'm probably staring at this car. <laughs> it's it so simple, but it's so, it's, it's the wing that really brings it together for me. Yeah. Really ties the room together. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, uh, I think we got to wrap up here. Uh, Brandon, you got somewhere to be. And I guess uh, follow us on our social media. Um, anything else yeah. I'm forgetting, Connor? uh rate and review our podcast like yeah. that would be super cool we appreciate any reviews we get and it does help other people find the podcast so if uh if you could find it in your hearts this thanksgiving to give us a good review or whatever excuse i need to get you to give us a review we would appreciate it yeah or just you know call us liberals or whatever yeah <laughs> <laughs> just a bunch of modern liberals <laughs> Uh, All right, everybody. Take care. Yep, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. We're going to make you pay five to five bits. We're going to make you pay five to water bits. We're going to fight riches and not riches, but we're going to fight the solidarity. We said we're not going to fight capitalism with black capitalism, but we're going to fight the socialism. Amazingly, or not so amazingly, Cuba's crime rate is one of the lowest in the entire hemisphere. Oddly enough, it seems that when people have their basic human needs met, they're less likely to commit crimes. My calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious shit. The free market mythology it argues that the most ruthless, selfish, opportunistic, greedy, calculating plunderers, applying the most heartless measures in cold-blooded pursuit of corporate interest and wealth accumulation, will produce the best results for all of us. Through something called the invisible hand. <laughs> what are you smiling about? Dude, I almost had you.